Okay. The recording is working. Okay, as long as we're getting recording. That is interesting. Okay, can you hear me? Okay, I'll talk loud, and as long as we're recording, we just won't hear it in the house. Um, I got an opportunity to go with the youth uh, over the weekend, and so that was that was great to see the kids uh, pressing in and worship and, and being taught um, that our faith is not flimsy. The Word of God is is to be trusted. It's solid. This is a great apologetics conference that gave... Uh, for the students to be able to defend their faith, but also help them in the questions. They talked about, um, is God anti-gay? That's a huge issue that's, that's, um, that's in the church in the world, especially in California right now. Um, and so they, taught, they addressed homosexuality, they addressed abortion, um, the loving God, and they gave them, uh, the students, tools to be able to talk to other people, uh, their friends, their peers. And honestly, it, it was not just designed for youth. It was, um, there was some amazing, amazing things given there. Earlier in the week, I've had a busy week, I went with the men to the men's retreat, and where we uh, sat under the teaching of Tony Evans for six sessions. Tony Evans is an awesome man of God, and the series that we listened to um, was about becoming a kingdom man. We want to learn, we, we need to become kingdom men. And so what a great week. We, we encourage the youth to uh, dig deeper into the word, to be challenged, to draw their strength from God, that God is to be trusted. And then we talk to the men about becoming a kingdom man. And we're going to be starting soon a six-week series um, here. We're going to go through the series again with all the men. And uh, so we're going to be asking you, uh, when would be good? Because we want every man, as many men, to be able to come out for six weeks, whether it's a, a midweek evening, a midweek morning, um, a weekend, morning, night, Sunday night, whatever. We want to get the time we can get most people here um, so that we can together learn how to become kingdom men. Because God is calling the men to stand up, to rise up, and to lead their homes, to lead in righteousness, to lead their communities in their work. Um, and so we want to rally together. And so that was a really good week for me. I'm a little tired. And so I hope to uh, make it through. And w Was that Linda that came and prayed for me? Is Linda here? No, but she did. Okay. That, that was wonderful. I don't know if she, she, she or the Spirit. My, uh, I've got bulging discs. They're getting worse and worse. Uh, this is very spiritual. <laughs> <laughs> Plenty of them. Plenty of them. That God, I, what, yeah, that's how I got the bulging discs. We, uh, one morning we were praying, and we were the, the, more, the first morning we were going out to the table praying for our day and for the meal, and I said, Lord, and do not keep the fish safe from us. And he gave us that. They were not safe, uh, though we let a lot go. Um, anyways, but uh, so, so I, I've been having these sciatic pains coming down, and, and I just want to thank Linda. She probably already had to run off to work. She prays feeling a little bit better, but if I start limping, forgive me. Um, if it gets real bad, I have to sit down. And some of you who have sciatic um, I just have that bulging disc pinching my nerve, and every once in a while it just makes my left arm totally numb and kills my right leg. I'm believing for a healing, right? We're going to talk a little bit about that this morning. We're in the book of Genesis. Um, towards the end, and I say towards the end because we're really going to cover, uh, you know, 10 or so chapters. We're really talking about Joseph this morning. And Joseph uh, was a kingdom man. 
Joseph has a, a wonderful testimony when it comes to the patriarchs and the men of faith of the Bible because we don't see really too many shortcomings in him. He pressed into the Lord. We're going to do a, a, a brief study on him this morning and talking about um, who he is and, and, and who he was and, and what kind of life he lived. He, he had a life similar to our life because he went through trials and afflictions. Can anyone relate with trials and afflictions? Amen. So um, this morning, we, as we were talking about Joseph, we're going to just kind of fly by everything from uh, his brothers um, selling him into slavery, into captivity, uh, up until being uh, restored out of the prison and working with um, Egypt to bring about salvation. So let's pray. God, as we going to continue this morning father there's a, a lot of material there's a lot of information got a lot can be said i pray that the the things that need to be said would be said god um you would help my my mind my heart to be clear god and that your words would minister encouragement to us that you would challenge us god in jesus name amen so we've been going through the patriarchs. We've uh, learned a little bit of Joseph already. We know that Joseph was the son of Jacob, the son of Isaac, the son of Abraham, which means Joseph is the great-grandson, I guess, of Abraham, Father Abraham. Um, Joseph is the second to the youngest son of the 12 sons of Jacob. And we talked a little bit about a couple of weeks ago. Jacob's family was absolutely dysfunctional. I mean, he just had issue after issue with his with his kids. Um, we, to that, Joseph is now the second of the youngest, born to Jacob's favorite wife. That was kind of a fun learning thing. But um, Joseph born to his Jacob's favorite wife, and what we did find a couple weeks ago, we're going to pick up here, where Joseph is is at home. And all of his brothers are out in the field taking care of, of the flocks. And we don't know for sure why he was at home. There's a lot of things in the Bible is speculation. Pastors, commentators, we study. Um, but at some point, w we take a little bit of, of free will and say, well, this is possibly what he was doing, or this is probably what he was doing. Um, as I was reading this, going over the, some of the commentaries, I kept going, why was Joseph, at 17 years old, not out with the flocks? And I believe, and, and, and it was great to be, see that, uh, that in my studying, that a lot of commentators agreed uh, with this point of view, is that what had happened is that Jacob was putting Joseph in charge of the household. He was giving him the firstborn blessing, letting him be raised up in order to run the household, and that's why he was not out with his flocks. It wasn't just that, that he was keeping him safe, but that Joseph was now in the house learning how to run the household. In a little while, we'll find out how important that becomes for Joseph. So his father, uh, Jacob, sends Joseph out to go check on the brothers and see how they're doing, and that was like a 50, 60-mile journey that he goes on to go find them. And, and remember that Joseph... Joseph is a dreamer. Remember, we learned that, that Jacob um, was a schemer, 
And Joseph is a dreamer. And, and it's not his own dreams. God has given Joseph a dream that he would one day rule over his brothers. And in another dream, he was given by God. It wasn't something he made up. He says, I had a dream, and God gave him a dream that he would not only rule over his brothers, but that his parents, his mother and father, would bow down to him. And how crazy would that be um, that the second to the youngest would be the ruler of them all. And they knew this dream. We don't think that was real smart of Joseph to share that. He was a little zealous. He was 17. We might give him a break, right? But we're going, what a, what a numbskull. You don't go tell all your older brothers that uh, they're going to pay homage to you. Um, you know, at the very least, you're going to get a noogie. And in this case, he's going to get a lot worse. So as he's traveling out to them, they see Joseph far away. And, and they begin to scheme and they go, here comes that dreamer. And remember Joseph, he's, he's loved by dad. He's living in the comforts of the home. He's got the special coat of many colors. And, and everyone knows that he's dad's favorite. And so as they see him coming, they say, let's do something to Joseph. What's crazy, in our society today, a lot of siblings uh, beat up or, or, or tease their other siblings. This, is not, this goes way beyond what any of us experienced here. They're not saying, hey, let's give him some noogies and give him a wedgie. They're, let's kill him. Let's just get, let's get rid of him. You know, so, so they begin to, to talk about killing him. The older brother who's already had uh, done something really wrong, I mean, he slept with his uh, stepmom. He actually is the one who tries to save Joseph from death. Um, he's th they throw Joseph into a pit. They're going to kill him. Finally, they say, no, let's not kill him. Let's just slave, sell him into slavery. And so this is the story of Joseph. This is Joseph's beginning. I had a rough high school years. I didn't really like high school. High school really didn't like me. I was never sold into slavery. I should stop complaining. <laughs> right? I mean, 17 years old. You know, you have these youth coming up. This is them. At 17, they throw them in the pit. And, and they sell them to Ishmaelite traders on the way to Egypt. And, and I was going over this a little bit myself thinking, you know, this is, these are Ishmaelite traders. These are the descendants of Ishmael, which isn't that long ago. They knew the family. I'm wondering if when they said, hey, this is Jacob of Abraham, who looks like he's going to inherit all of Abraham's blessings. Did I say Jacob? This is Joseph. Yeah, Joseph of Abraham. And the Ish I, I was just thinking, they might have said, wow, what a great opportunity. Let's, let's get this guy. Let's take him, get to sell him to Egypt. I'm not sure. Remember, uh, Ishmael was not the favored son of Abraham. Anyway, so they, they take Joseph into Egypt, and he gets sold, and he's purchased, apparently, by a, name, a guy named Potiphar. And he works in Potiphar's house for many years. So let's talk about what, what's going on here. And I think that there's going to be some commonalities between his story and our story, though it won't look exactly the same. We'll relate with him in some ways. Joseph had a dream, God-given dream for his life that he was going to be somebody, that he was going to be something. Many of you have had a dream of your life. I, I, would, I, I would hate to, I hate to say this, but I would gather to guess that many in this room had dreams of what your life was going to look like when you were 20, and it doesn't look like the way you thought. 
Okay, that's that's common to man. Now, some of you, there's some people says, you know, this is I'm right where I thought I'd be. Praise the Lord for that. That's awesome. But many of us have these dreams inside of us that, that as time begins to come along, we find ourselves not in the place that we thought we would be. Amen. Some of we find ourselves in a place that we didn't think we'd be, and we're there not of our own volition even. Some just circumstances happened. Maybe we were dragged someplace by our families. If you may, maybe you had a dream to be something, and all of a sudden your parents moved you out of that area. Uh, and so this is Joseph. Joseph had a dream for his life that he that that God gave him, and he was just going to step into it. That he would would someday be something that his family would would bow down to him. And we pray that his heart was right. We don't know that it wasn't. And now he's being dragged off as a slave getting taken somewhere that he doesn't want to go by people that he doesn't want to be with, ending up in a place that he doesn't want to be, doing things that he does not want to do because he was rejected by his brothers. Rejection. Have any of you ever suffered rejection? Everyone suffered rejection. Rejection is common to man. We, we're rejected at times by our own parents, by our siblings. We're rejected at school. I got the, I had the wonderful opportunity many times growing up to, to be the last or the second last picked for kickball. You know, even it starts then where you're rejected by, by people around you. It's no fun. But, but Joseph dealt with things differently. And what I want to encourage us today is we see a story that we, no matter what state you're in today, wherever I'm at today, that we can begin to be encouraged by Joseph. Because we see that Joseph was successful everywhere he went. In fact, he has a child from his Egyptian wife. He has two kids, Ephraim and Manasseh. Ephraim, Ephraim na Ephraim's name comes from the root that would mean fruitful in my affliction. He said, I'm going to name him Ephraim because God has been fruitful to me even though I've been afflicted. And so Ephraim is that that testimony said even in affliction there's fruitfulness. And so I want to say tell us this first thing is that there is fruit. There can be fruitfulness in your life even in the midst of rejection. He was sold into slavery by his brothers and the very first thing that happens he gets into the house of Potiphar and he begins to prosper. chapter 40 sorry chapter 39 just Genesis 39 verse 1 Joseph had been taken down to Egypt and Potiphar an officer of Pharaoh captain of the guard I want you guys to remember that little part there an Egyptian bought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him down and the Lord was with Joseph so so in all of this we're gonna see this come up a few times the Lord is with Joseph. He's with him in his rejection. He's with him being sold into slavery, absolutely rejected by his family. And it says that he was a successful man, and he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. And his master saw that the Lord was with him. So God is with him so much. Joseph is allowing the Lord to live through him that, that Potiphar sees that. 
And it says that the Lord made all he did to prosper in his hand, and Joseph found favor in his sight, and he served him. Then he made him overseer of his house, and all that he had he put under his authority. Even being rejected, Joseph is beginning to see the fruit of God in his life. And, he, and, he's, and what, not once do we see in here him having a pity party. So that's something that happens to us. We go through trials and struggles and we begin to say, oh, just life is, is so bad and I'm just stuck in this place and I never thought I'd be here. And I want to encourage us because we can begin to change our thinking and become like Joseph who wherever he went, he put his hand to the plow and God blessed him. And because he was pushing forward in God, God showed himself faithful and not just faithful, but there was fruit even in the midst of rejection. Many of you in this room have been rejected by your parents. Some of you have been rejected by a spouse and you've had to suffer a, a divorce. Uh, so, some people have, have worked their entire career and hoping for that last promotion and they get rejected and somebody else gets the position. Rejection is common, common to man. Joseph was rejected, but instead of sitting in that, he says, I'm in the circumstance I'm in. I'm going to press in. Interesting that he becomes the Lord of the house of Potiphar. I think he was being prepared as Jacob made him the Lord of the house in his home country. God will use the experiences you go through and he'll bring them back to pass if you press in and allow God to move in your situation. So life is going pretty good. Pretty soon, Joseph here, is, though he's not in his hometown, might be better off because he's not living with, with 11 brothers who want to kill him. And he, gets, uh, he begins to get honor and favor in the house until he's leading and running the entire house of Potiphar. This is a slave who's rising to authority. And Joseph must have been good looking. Um, he spends 13 years from the time of 17 to 30 is this whole event and so he's, he's in his early 20s, he's handsome, and Potiphar's wife begins to, to make eyes for him, get eyes for him. He be, she begins to see that he's, he's attractive, and she wants him, and so she begins to seduce him. And he keeps pushing it off, saying, how could I do this to my master? I won't do such a thing, but it looks like she kept coming on and coming on, and he keeps rejecting it. And I don't know what that looked like in their society, but it gets pretty bad until they're alone. She tries to seduce him once more, and he flees from her, leaving his coat. She takes that coat, and I, because she was rejected, she does what some of us do. I'm going to get even. If I can't have him, I'm going to get even with him. Makes a plan and yells rape. And falsely accuses Joseph of raping. Now remember, he's a slave. He's a, he's a slave with honor, but he's a slave in the house of Potiphar. Tells her husband that he tried to rape me. So Potiphar, it says, was angry. We don't know how angry he was, and honestly, we don't even know where the anger comes exactly from because Potiphar doesn't have him killed. He has him thrown in prison. He has him thrown in, in a special prison. It says he's in the king's prison. 
And, and we can pass through this in, in chapter 39. It goes into 39 and 40 where he's in prison. He's put into the king's prison. And, he's, and Potiphar is angry, and so he, he locks him up. Well, we find that it's in prison that Joseph is, is going to prosper also. Verse 15, Genesis 39. Actually, let's go a little bit further that. Verse 19. So it was when his master heard the words which his wife spoke to him, saying, Your servant did to me after this manner, that his anger was aroused. Joseph's master took him and put him into the prison, a place where the king's prisoners were confined. This isn't a king's prisoner. Why is he there? Why didn't they just kill him? It says, But the Lord was with Joseph. And showed him mercy and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. And the keeper of the prison committed to Joseph's hand all the prisoners who were in the prison. Whatever they did there, it was his doing. The keeper of the prison did not look into anything that was under Joseph's authority because the Lord was with him. And whatever he did, the Lord made it prosper. So in rejection... There was fruitfulness in his rejection. Now there's been an accusation. And we find that even in the accusation, there's fruitfulness. And I think a lot of us in here have been accused unjustly of things in our life. I mean, accused of, of being unfair, of stealing, of lying, of, of, of undermining whatever it is. Joseph was accused and suffered the consequence of that accusation. I heard of a pastor who was, who was, who was a godly man who was accused unjustly by, by a member of the church of, of, of doing some, some really bad things. And the pastor went to him and he washed his feet. He, he, he acted godly in, in, in that moment. He went and he served and became hum, humble to the man who had accused him. We need to stay humble in our, when we're accused. We need to press into God and let God be our judge. It says that God showed him mercy in the accusation. And interesting. Now, it, most of you know, when there's a, a more than one possibility in, in, in uh, interpretation, I, I, I like to leave room that I could be wrong because, because it, um, I can be. But I was reading this over and over again. In verse 40, so, so Joseph's in prison, and shortly after he's in prison, the butler and the baker get thrown into prison too. You might, you might remember the story. And after a while, they have some dreams, and they're all worried about their dreams. And Joseph said, hey, God can interpret your dreams. Tell me the dreams. The baker said, I had these baskets of bread, and birds started coming down on them. And what does that mean? He says, yeah, it's not looking good for you. In three days... The, the Pharaoh is going to take your head and you're done. And the, and the butler, the cupbearer, had a dream that, that he was pouring, you know, uh, there were grapevines and he was pouring wine back into the Pharaoh's cup and he says, you're going to be restored in three days. And, uh, and, and the only thing Joseph says, hey, when that happens, remember me. This is going to be the third, third, third thing that he's suffering. Uh, he doesn't remember him. He gets out of prison. Anyways, I want to show us something here. If I can find it again, I was reading a different Bible. It was on a different spark. Um, 
verse uh, 2. Pharaoh was angry with his two officers, the chief butler and chief baker, so he put them in custody in the house of the captain of the guard, in the prison, the place where Joseph was confined. Okay? Who, who's read this before? Okay, most of us have read this, right? If not, go read it. It's important we want to read the whole Bible. Put in custody in the house of the captain of the guard, in the prison, in the place where Joseph was confined. And the captain of the guard charged Joseph with them, and he served them, so they were in his custody for a while. So Joseph is in the house of the captain of the guard in prison. Butler and Baker go in there. Do you know who the, cha the, the uh, captain of the guard is? Verse chapter 39, Joseph had been taken down to Egypt and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, the captain of the guard, an Egyptian, bought him. Now, we're not positive, but it's extremely possible that Joseph is in prison under the care of Potiphar, who's now giving him all of these rules, like you can do anything you want in here. You're not even going to be bound up. You're in charge of the prison. Interesting. If that's true, and, and it is possible that captain of the guard, that there were many of them. It is possible. So, but, but I'm leaning towards, this is Potiphar's house, prison. He's in charge of it. He didn't have Joseph killed. He put him in there. He's letting him run the prison. Why? Because he knows he's a godly man. It's possible he didn't even believe his wife, but you cannot believe the word of a slave over your wife. And so it's possible he put him into the best possible prison he could, mine. And he also knew that in his house, everything was prospering. Potiphar might not even be that, that keen on, on Joseph. He might not be. But at the very least, if this is the case, if this is Potiphar, he's going, you know, yeah, he tried to do that with my wife. But one thing I know is that when he was in charge of my house, everything in my house prospered. I'm going to put him in my prison so that everything in my prison prospers. Because wherever Joseph went, prosperity followed. That should be our heart. That should be our, we should be so close to God. God, I want everywhere I go, the people around me to prosper. I want to be so close to you that you would bless me in such a way that everything prospered, even if I don't prosper in that same moment. Because he's been rejected, he's been accused, now we interpret dreams, and he's forgotten. you ever been forgotten? Been rejected and accused and just passed by, forgotten. We've done things for people and they just go on about their business. Now this wasn't a horribly bad moment in my life, but one time it was winter, so it was cold. I had broken down on the turnout right by Jinx Lake, the first entrance to Jinx Lake going down. I left my car there and I started walking home. And that's a long walk. Okay. I got to the second passing lane coming up. So I walked a few miles down all those, those curves. And I'm, I'm hitchhiking. I'm, I'm young. I'm probably about 20 years old and I'm hitchhiking up. You know, I didn't have, there was no cell phones back then. And all of a sudden this truck is coming down the road. And he stops. He's going down the mountain. I'm going up hitchhiking. And he goes, hey, how far is Big Bear? Happened to be real close to one of those signs that I'd just seen. And I said, we've got, I, we, we have 17 miles to go in that direction. 
And he's all, excellent. He passes me, turns around, starts coming up. And I'm like, of course he's going to pick me up. I put out my thumb and he passes me <laughs> and leaves me there on the side of the road. I wish I would have told him that it's 42 miles down that way. Find Highway 330 and then go up. No, I don't. I don't. I helped him and he forgot me. Right? How many times? That's just silly. But how many times in your life have you done things for people and then they neglect you? They forget you. It's no fun. It's no fun to know that you played a part in helping or doing something and that they pass you over. This is what happened to Joseph. Now he's still in prison and the cupbearer is there for two more years. Two more years until Pharaoh has his dream. And nobody can interpret the dream. And the cupbearer goes, silly me. And I, I just, I, I have a hard time believing that he actually forgot Joseph. Thinking he didn't want to tell him for some reason. I don't know. Two years ago, oh, I forgot. There was a guy in prison. He interpreted my dream. And uh, he can do the same for you. Pharaoh calls him out and, and we know the story. He interprets Pharaoh's dreams. And from this point, he gets placed into a point of authority, not over a slave house, not over Potiphar's house, not over the prison. He gets put in a place of authority over all of Egypt, really second in command. He had honor and authority. And the rest of, of Genesis is talking about what happens as his brothers come and need to get, get food. And we'll talk about that in the weeks to come. There was fruit in every part of Joseph's life. But there was affliction in every part of his life. I was thinking about this as wondering, was it, was it affliction or was it suffering? And, and so I said, well, what is suffering? Suffering is what I've, I'm doing today. I'm suffering with this sciatic pain going down my leg. You know, I'm in pain and it's bothering me. Okay. So I looked it up as suffering is, is having pain or having discomfort and it's something that's affecting you as suffering. And I said, well, is affliction the same? So I looked up affliction and affliction is the thing that causes suffering or at least attempts to cause the suffering. So they're not quite the same. The suffering is what you do. The affliction is the thing that comes to make you do what you do. And I, I started reading, I'm like, I don't see Joseph suffering. I see him afflicted, but I don't see him suffering. Somehow, Joseph, every time an affliction came, he rose above it. He put his hand to God. He put his hand to the plow, and he pressed in. He says, God's going to be faithful, and God was faithful to him. And God blessed him. The afflictions kept coming. The difficulties kept coming, but he didn't allow them to keep him down. He gave glory to God and pressed in. He couldn't deny that he was in prison. You know, we're not talking about just name it and claim it face statements when someone comes up and says, how are you doing? You know, and you go, I'm just great. He says, well, you don't have a leg. Sure, I got a leg. No, we're not just talking about forgetting that we have, I have an ailment. But Joseph had afflictions and he kept pressing into God. And he would, whatever he did, he just pressed in. And God blessed Potiphar and God blessed the prison. And then God blesses Joseph. God blesses Egypt and the world through Joseph, and then God blesses Joseph to where now he, I mean, he's finally living the life. 
he was taking care of Jacob's stuff. Then he got sold to slavery and he was taking care of Potiphar's stuff. Then he was taking care of the prison's stuff. Finally, even though he's still taking care of Egypt's stuff, he's now inheriting it because he ends up with land and wife and children and power. God, through his, through Joseph's commitment to him, raised him up and blessed him. We need to learn from Joseph to make the best of our opportunities, even if they're few. Some of you are younger and you have a ton of opportunities in front of you, and some of you are older and don't have the same opportunities. We've been taken into captivity, all of us at one time or another, and maybe right now you're one who feels that you're in captivity now. But Joseph said, if I'm to be a slave, I'm determined that I'm going to be the best slave. He did whatever was required of him. He did it with all of his heart and with all of his might. This is an important consideration and perhaps it can explain why sometimes similar trials have had such different results in different people. We've seen people have afflictions and suffer differently than Joseph did. And, and, and here's one possibility. One person has been lamenting that's not the same as it used to be. Oh, when, it was, when I was younger, things were different, while another has discovered that some of their talents and their abilities are still there. And they've determined to work with what they have rather than lament and bemoan what they don't have. I'm going to let what I do have be used. One has been saying, if only I had the resources I used to have. I used to have more money and I could do different things, but now those resources are gone. I'm, I'm helpless. And another person thinks something like this. If I can't do anything else, I can at least do this, as little as it is. If I put what I have, as little as it is, into the hand of Christ, he can make it great. So we can account for the unhappiness and uselessness of the one. And we can account for the happiness and usefulness of the other. Because of their, their attitude and what they're doing with it. We have to be careful to say that the difference, though, isn't just temperament. There's, there's definitely personalities, and some personalities are happy-go-lucky. But I think it's more than temperament. I believe it, it, it comes down at the end of character and growth, allowing your character to grow. Do you want to be the person who's always looking at the, at the past, saying, I used to have, and now I don't. And I used to be able, and now I'm not. Or do you want to be the person who says, Things are different, but I'm going to take what I have today and I'm going to use it for the kingdom of God. I'm going to use it to bless people. As we grow in our character, as we grow in our faith, these things can grow. We can begin to, the Bible even says, to speak things as though they are not, as though they are. One person acts in faith seeing and recognizing God's hand in the middle of the affliction. Throughout Genesis 39, it kept saying that God was with Joseph. He never left him. And he doesn't leave you. And he doesn't leave me. Now we can do things that can, can cause his voice to be silenced. We can do things where we cause his blessings to be uh, not visible in our life. But he's still there. We walk in faith, 
see God's hand in our affliction or, or, or we can walk in unbelief and we can focus on our, our difficulties, on our own captivity, our calamity. And I tell you, that only increases our suffering. So we've come to this, that we need to hold fast to God's hand in our captivity. We need to do our best in everything that's before us. I remember Missy came a, a couple years ago, and, and Missy's not here this morning, but she's been put in a wheelchair because she has four autoimmune diseases and cancer. And she used to be a teacher and a dancer, and she, she wanted to serve at the church. And she's like, I want to come for the work day. I'm like, okay. I got able-bodied people who don't even want to come. So we wheeled her into the nursery, and she took the toys, and she wiped off the toys. She says, I can do that. I can do that. She, she's a great example of pressing through, and, and, and sometimes too much. She, she tries to do more than she probably should at times. But what are you going to do? Are you going to... Just sit back and say, well, I don't feel good and this is bad and this is bad. Or we're going to press into him. The truth is you may never leave the strange land that you live in. You know, we, you've been taken captive. Maybe, you've, maybe you're in the new land like Joseph. Joseph never left Egypt. That's not where he wanted to be. He wanted to be in his home country. He wanted to be with his family. Eventually, God brought his family to him, but he never got to leave the strange land. You may have gone through something or going through something that you don't get to leave. See, some church will just tell you, you know, if you have enough faith, you can be healed of everything. My experience is that for some reason, God allows us to, to live in our trials. He, he allows us to live in the strange land that we don't want to be in, but the, how you live is up to you and how, and how I live is up to me. You can overcome and be fruitful in the strange land as you give whatever you have to God and say, God bless us and I'm going to work with all of my might in whatever you've given me. In whatever time I have left. Don't lose the ability to be able to do that. Don't lose the ability to, to be able to say, I'm going to work with whatever you give me, God. Because if you lose that, you've lost everything. And if, and if you f are feeling that way, we want to pray today for you. We want to pray that, that that hope that you can see God do something in and through you and use you in the midst of your afflictions. And I'm telling you, I understand. Some of your afflictions are real. They're painful. And I, I can't relate with, with, with your afflictions, but I, I know that they're true. But I, I encourage you to say, in my afflictions, in the place I am living, in my poverty, in my sickness in my divorce, in whatever state you are in, God, will you use me and, and change my heart so that I can give you everything that you might use me in the time and the resources that I have left, that I would be a blessing to others and you would be glorified. And other people would say, God is with them. That's what I want to hear, is that, you know, while you can see that God was with Pastor Rob, Let's pray as we close. <sighs> Heavenly Father, we thank you that you've given us so many examples through the Bible of, of different people. We, we've seen people that have failures and yet you've restored. 
God. And today we're, we've been looking at Joseph who you were with. That it seems like every situation that came up, he just worked as unto you. And he gave you the opportunity to move and live through him. And he was a man of integrity who wouldn't take things that didn't belong to him. And he wouldn't touch his master's wife. He was trustworthy so much that he was put in charge of houses and of prisons. God, help us to be trustworthy and faithful. God, help us to, whatever afflictions we're facing, to not just suffer under them, but to take them and say, in the midst of the difficulty, I'm still going to press through and be a blessing to my family and be a blessing to those around me and be a blessing to the church because you are near me, that you are with me and you are in me. God, I pray for an encouragement to come. For, for people in the room who, who've been discouraged because of the strange land that they're living in, the place that they never wanted to be, that they never wanted to have this difficulty, whether it's age or health or, or resources or family. God, but that you would encourage them to say, give it to me. Serve me where you're at with what you have, and I will bless you and I will be with you. God, that we might make a difference in our families, in our communities, in this church, in the kingdom of God. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.